Uh, good day to you uh, uh, on this lovely 13th of July, 2023. We are bringing you episode 66 of uh, All the Horrible Things. Hey. Did you get your free Slurpee two days ago on 7-Eleven Day? I did not. I did not either, and I usually do, and I regret it. I regret it. I remember there was a summer where I would uh, bop around to like four or five 7-Elevens. Really? And just really have a, a meal of Slurpee. That's impressive. <laughs> oh, they my should goodness. like stamp yeah. your hand or something. <laughs> they should do something along sure, those lines. Your tongue is bright red. I take advantage of promotions any chance I can Yeah. Get. I, I mean, remember there was... There was one summer where you can bring in any currency to get a free Big Mac. You can bring in like a one penny or a one pence coin from England and you'll get a Big Mac, you know? Wow. Didn't matter the amount, just had to be a foreign currency. Oh, you better believe I ate three or four Big Macs in one day. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like you're you're very healthy. Yes, yes, <laughs> I definitely am. Good. Uh, the blood's pumping, and that's what matters. It's the all that synapses matters. Synapses is firing, so I can't complain. But speaking of promotions... And pumping um, blood. And pumping blood. Uh, I have the privilege today to talk to y'all about um, Talk To Me, which is a horror movie that isn't actually even released yet. It's coming out in two weeks, I believe, two Fridays from now. Um, and I saw it. As a promotion, Regal Cinemas has this really cool thing, which I'd only learned about in the last month or so, um, where they have these $5 mystery movies on Monday nights. And this is the first time they had a rated R one. So when I saw that, it got me excited timing-wise sure. because I was thinking within the next two weeks, we also have Oppenheimer coming out, which obviously we could talk about on all the horrible things. So I took a chance... And I got these $5 tickets while it wasn't Oppenheimer, which is probably good because it wasn't an IMAX anyways. It was Talk To Me, which is absolutely the best thing it could have been. Possibly That's even awesome. more so than Oppenheimer because yeah. I didn't even... It was kind of on my radar, but I didn't know what it was about. We're talking A24 here, horror, you know it was going to be something. And it was. It definitely was. So I'm going to be talking about that. But first, I want you to dig into Insidious <laughs> 5, because while I have not seen it, I want to know whether or not I really should go back and reinvest in this series or not. Sure, sure. It is um, Insidious 5, The Red Door. And I will say that I think the critics are being a little too hard on it, because I don't what think it's as bad as they're making it out to be. I thought, you know, this is Patrick Wilson, you know, the star. This is his first um, film that he's directed. This is his debut. And I thought he made a lot of great choices. I, you know, in the last episode, we talked about jump scares, and I thought that there were... There's a handful, but there are two really good jump scares in this movie that are not cheap. You know, there there's um, one in an art class studio, and then there's another one that they kind of tease in the trailer that you've seen on TV uh, that he's in a CAT scan machine, and it is one of the better jump scares I've had in a long time. Even though I saw it coming, it still gets you. And the thing about this movie is that, yes, it relies on having seen at least the first two movies. Okay. Uh, 
it has a lot to do with a father-son relationship, and it is Patrick Wilson and his son, who is, um, in the first movie, the son goes into a coma, and they, they think it's just, you know, like a regular medical coma, but in fact, it is uh, astral projecting. So he is in this place called The Further, and the, the first, I think, the first four movies were all written by uh, Lee Wynell, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's a really good writer. I think, you know, he wrote um, Upgrade, which came out like in 2018. He wrote the the newer Invisible Man. He's an actor as well. Uh, He makes a cameo in this new one, which was fun. But he didn't write this most recent movie, which I thought was a really interesting choice. You know, he just gets the credits for creating the characters. And I think that was probably the thing that felt the it was probably their biggest mistake by not getting him to kind of finish off this whole series. Why would he not? What would what happened there? That doesn't know. make any sense to me. Uh, who, I don't who, 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 who did write it? I mean, is this anybody notice, notable? So it is. Yes, it is somebody that we are familiar with as of recent screenwriting credits. The guy's name is Scott Teams, and he wrote Halloween Kills. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then it also kind of had this father-son dynamic in it, too. So he's he's wrestling with some of his own issues. It clearly. sounds like it. It <laughs> sounds like it. But, you know, the, the, the cool thing about this, this movie is that it is the same actor, the little boy from the first movie. And they do something really cool to start the movie off. They show you how that they, uh, to forget all of these things, that they're hypnotized, father, son, together. And they forget everything that's that's happened to them. Uh, it's a really cool concept. But as an audience member, we already know everything that's going on. So now yeah. you've, you've got your, your main two characters trying to figure out what we already know you know oh my goodness. so, so it, you're saying this is about ill directed uh, dramatic irony so this is yeah. something where us as the audience knows but you're saying it doesn't work it, it it doesn't work it's a cool concept that doesn't have um the the timing you know it kind of feels slow at times um but yeah it, it's it's i kind of mm-hmm. just wish if they read, if they were to do it over, that they they get they get in on the joke or you know in on the story with us sooner. I got it. Yeah. Was was the wife was Rose Burns' character also hypnotized? No, no. So ah, and I don't want interesting then. So she's kind of our conduit. Yes. In this one, got however, it. there is yeah. I don't want to. It's tricky because I don't want to get too much into it because you kind of learn. The, the whole family has been shook up by this. You know, the whole family dynamic has been off. Patrick Wilson and his son do not have a great relationship. The story really is Patrick Wilson, um, his mother passes away. And that's played by Barbara Hershey, and she's in the, the other oh, films. Yes, I do remember. And she's great. She's great. And she's kind of the um, uh, the believer. She was the believer in the family, and she's the one who brings in, why can't I think of her name as I'm trying to think of it? She brings in- Oh, uh, the little old lady who's- yeah, Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay. Yeah, great. yeah, she's fantastic. But that was the connection uh in the in the, in the earlier films. 
but the movie starts off with you know losing the grandma and Patrick Wilson's character wants to try to reestablish his relationship with his son so he decides to drive him to college you know and and okay. it doesn't go well and you could see that they it, it's it's the the fun thing about their relationship is that they are so alike but they don't know it you know because they've been hypnotized they, they're dealing with the same types of issues and nightmares yeah okay so it is it's starting to percolate this they're being haunted by yeah. what's happened would you mind just really quick because i know i saw the first one and i know i wasn't completely enamored with it i really loved the design of the monster yeah i actually <laughs> did like the family dynamic and the astral projection something about the direction maybe or well uh, the shallowness of the story i, I maybe I, I should go back but i know i saw the first one yeah would you mind giving me like a quick rundown of which what each of the four prior kind of represents like you know you give me a quick little plot line for each if you will what are they going for what are they aiming for and which ones succeed right and don't right so so the first two um no sorry the the first one was directed by james wan you know so the first one as i was saying is about the son getting into a coma, they they think that their house is haunted. This was really cool. They thought that they were being haunted, but they didn't realize uh, that it was actually their child. And they actually move into a new home and it continues to happen. And I that's thought. when they bring in Lin Shay to try to figure out what's going on. They connect it more into in the second one where we find out that this is a family issue that goes back a long time to when Patrick Wilson was a little boy, Barbara Hershey, that's how she meets Lynn Shea is that she f needs help with her son. They do a really good job in the first two films. You know, it does continue into the third, but they do a great job of connecting the films as if okay. you're, when you're in the second movie, you see stuff that's happening in the first movie. And oh. because I think they happen simultaneously, like the second one picks off immediately after the first movie. And they do such a good job of when they go into the further, they're seeing things that happened into the in the first movie, and it kind of just connects this world really, really okay. well. Yeah, and I believe the third film was more of a departure, and it follows a different child. I haven't seen the third. Really, I haven't okay. seen the third one in a long time. I believe it follows a little girl. Um, and I and I think that they were trying to expand the universe, kind of like James Wan has done with The Conjuring, which all these films are supposed to happen in the, in the same universe, I believe. But um, well, I didn't know that. Even okay. though you've got yeah, the monsters are all part of like the same world. Even though Patrick Wilson has played you know two different characters within uh, this cinematic. Oh, e that's right. Yes, yeah. I love the Conjuring movies. Yeah. So I'm really kind of hoping to be sold on the Insidious train because. Oh, pardon me. Adrian. What you're saying with the connection, I like, but to me, it seems like this concept would have been better as a, a streaming series. Probably. Um, I might. I feel like I might have enjoyed it more. I, I feel because okay, so he's driving his kids to college in this new one, Adrian. which means the the first one was what ten years ago, twelve years ago. Oh gosh, uh, I think packed five movies in a short time. Is what they, I'm yes, which is troubling. Wouldn't yeah. be troubling if it was a series, I feel like. But, um, I, I mean, I stand corrected in terms of the box office because it destroyed Indiana Jones, I know. which you would think would be impenetrable at the box offices. But 
and I, and I was excited because Phoebe Waller Bridge is part of it, co wrote it or whatever. Yeah. I, I ain't going to see that. And I had really zero interest in seeing Insidious, but it sounds like it is worth worth a look. It is, uh, if you were, this is what I would suggest, I would go and actually watch the other films again. Because when I was watching the fifth movie, there were things that I was I'm like, oh yeah, that happened in that movie. But it wasn't, it, it didn't necessarily influence my viewing. It just would have been better if I had recently rewatched them. Um, I like the the the, pre, the fourth movie, the uh, the last key, almost felt like they were wrapping up the series, and that that's where I think the there's a, a really divide here is that they I um I don't think Lynn Shay is in the fourth movie. I think she's in the third. Uh, but yeah, it, it, you're right. They they packed a lot within the the very first film was in 2010. And Sidious Chapter 2 is in 2013. 3 is in 2015. The Last Key is in 18. And then we have The Red Door. That's a big jump. Yeah, yeah. That's Uh, interesting. Yeah. But like I said... Will there be more? Will there be more? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Well, it sounds like with this this writer who stopped at 4, like you said, if he kind of was aiming at wrapping it up, then that's why we kind of... Maybe that's why he wasn't on board with the last thing. He's like, I've told the story as far as it should be told. Yeah. And after that is kind of... Honestly, um, I think the most recent one got made because Patrick Wilson was directing it. It's a good payday for that, man. Am I wrong? I, I, I like Patrick Wilson a lot, but you don't really see him outside of genre films of, of late. It, and it, which is interesting because in his earlier career, I felt like he had the trajectory to be kind of this... Leading man in more mainstream dramas, definitely, such. definitely. Um, but now he's kind of become a he's become a genre guy, and he is very yep. likable. I'm surprised he he took on the di- directing um, chair. Do you see him continuing? I do. On that path? I do, and I bet you he loved it. Uh, I had heard some interviews of people like working with him, and they had they had a blast. Um, I think you know he's been an actor for so long, and he's worked with a lot of great directors and he's worked with James Wan who's a really great horror director so I think he's learned a lot of the the, the setups and, and like like I said the the jump scares were not cheap they were they were fun and well deserved there just are some you know insidious tropes like I mean it's the same demon that you're working with and so I, I really think they kind of, I, I do love the design of it but is there, there's a little silliness to this this demon, right? He's kind of like punk rock sort of. Well, spiky. they refer to him. Yeah, they refer to him as the lipstick demon. Like I th- ah, okay, yeah, and you know, in the first movie, there's that amazing jump scare, maybe one of the best, like of all time, over Patrick Wilson's shoulder. It's kind of mm-hmm. hard to keep using that same monster for more jump scares. So the ones that work in this movie aren't necessarily connected oh. to that demon. So, or not directly like, you know, really demon's face. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, I could see a cat scan being a great opportunity. Uh, we recently talked about alien movies and there's a, there's a cat scan scene in communion with Christopher Walken that, I mean, there's no jump scare involved, but it still gives you kind of the chills. Have you had a CAT scan? Never, but I mean, as you're watching this scene, you do, as an audience member, feel very claustrophobic. I mean, I think it's gonna change the CAT scan for a lot of people too, having seen this. 
Yes. I mean, I have, I had one about four years ago now, because right after COVID started, I had hearing loss and I couldn't yeah. figure out what was going on in my right ear. So they had a CAT scan and they still couldn't figure it out after it. But I remember the experience vividly. I think I one of the best depicted uh, CAT scans that is in The Sopranos, obviously, when, yeah, you know, Tony starts having his but there's something about them. It's like a living coffin sort of thing. Right. A, when you're in there, like it feels like you're buried um, in like an alien coffin almost. Right. Um, and then just like the implications thereof, if they find something, uh, you are headed toward the grave. So yeah, it's, not... um, it's, it, it's a good, a good avenue to hit you with a jump scare. So I'm very curious about that one. Yeah. Um, what else is that? Is that it? So see it if you're so, a fan. Wait yeah. till I'd say video if you're, if you're middling. Yeah, I'd say if like you're a completist and you've seen all the other movies in the theater, I would say do it. I would say see it with a, a large crowd because they do have like the the like the great jump scares. I would say if you are somebody who is very like affected by like bad like reading bad reviews i'm, like, I'm not gonna say you got to see it then you know i, I there just... was one headline review it's the only thing i kind of read about it uh was that it was like it was made in a garbage disposal <laughs> it was cut and edited yeah, yeah but you know to each to each their own yeah. if uh i'll admit i really love the conjuring um did that come out before the first insidious do you know that is a great question james Wan to me is hit or miss. I so, know you're a huge fan, um, but sometimes I, I struggle with the direction that he takes. Yeah. Um, so, like in The Conjuring, I feel like he nails it, nails it. Yeah. Um, I felt like Insidious was one of those one of those moments where like, I needed something a little bit more, with more depth, I think. Right. As I noted before, I needed that extra, it, Would you wouldn't consider it elevated horror, right? No, 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 no. 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 No, it's, it's just fun, classic, Go to the movie theater if you want to get scared and like, you know, kind of sit at the edge of edge of your seat at times. Uh, to follow up your question, The Conjuring came out in 2013, and as I said a moment ago, Insidious came out in 2010. But the uh -huh. cool thing is that James Wan and Lee Wynell, they're really good friends, and um, James Wan put Lee Wynell in uh, the the Saw movie, so like he's he's one of those familiar faces now in the the genre, and like I said, I think he's a good horror writer. I know you love that one that he did. What was it last year? What was that called? Starts with an M. Mal something. Am I off? Oh, the James Wan film. Um, yes. Who yeah. one with the lady with the face in the back yeah. of her head, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, you loved that one. That made your list and I, everything. Yeah, I did enjoy that. That was called Malignant. Malignant, yes. Yeah. Uh, that to me was kind of insidious vibe, whereas The Conjuring, I feel like, does have those layers that I, I kind of right. want. I don't necessarily need them um, because it, Malignant was fun. It was fun, but... There's there's a goof goof level to it. To sure, me. Um, I couldn't really get scared in the way that I wanted yeah. to get scared. Um, I understand that. Are those his, so? So those two are his main properties. What else is is James Wan known for? Anything else? Oh, James Wan has done a ton. I mean, most recently he did Aquaman, but before that, James Wan, you know, he's he's yeah. done uh, the first Saw film. He oh, there I you go. I okay, believe that's 
That first saw is amazing. The first saw, and that's what I was saying, that Lee Wynell is one of the guys who's chained up to the wall with Carrie Elways in that Hello. scene. So he, um, no, he's done He's done a lot. I swear that he's done a Fast and Furious movie, too. Oh, that's not a good thing. <laughs> but the guy can, the guy is well-rounded. He makes money, though. Yes, that, that is a good point. Uh, yeah, I didn't read, because the first Aquaman is very cool. I mean, you would think that would be one of the most ridiculous yeah, superhero movies ever. I mean, what was it in Entourage? You have James Cameron supposedly making this because he loves to work with right. water, and it was just kind of like lambasting the concept of an Aquaman. <laughs> but he pulled it. He pulled it off. The first Aquaman's pretty good. I'm not too excited about seeing the next one. You know, does he do the next one that's uh, about to come out? I believe he is. Yeah, I believe he James Bond is. Okay. is yeah. Right. I don't uh, know. The whole Amber Heard thing's got me a little turned off from. Yeah, I understand. Just giving it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> James Wan also directed Dead Silence. That that's a movie I think What's we that? need to I talk about. That. It's the the ventriloquist dummy. But oh. the guy the guy's got a, a pretty interesting career between big films as well as sequels. You know, The Conjuring, Conjuring Two, Insidious, Insidious Two. He did he did do um, Furious Seven, which is one of the more fun Fast and the Furious movies. You've seen the fa- you've seen all the Fast and Furiouses. Yeah, they're ridiculously fun. <laughs> they're... I got a bit unsurprised. Well, here's the um... thing. Here's the thing. I even growing up was a huge fan of just junky action movies. You know, and there's I get it. I have never gone into a Fast and Furious movie expecting it to be good. <laughs> I am going in there to see what ridiculous thing they've they're gonna do next. Okay, so yeah, so it's more about the the effects and the grandiose sequences. Absolutely, that are the stories okay. are the same okay. in every movie. I could see maybe watching the series with a drinking game or something. You know, right, I would need right. an extra like <laughs> in real life, yeah, motivation to. I did see like the first one in the theater because I liked you know what Paul Walker. He was badass yeah. back in the day, and. I remember one of his movies, Running Scared, is always stuck mm-hmm. with me. Him, and, I think, it was Vera, Vera Farmiga, who obviously is a, a screen queen. Mm-hmm. Um, Conjuring. That was a great, great movie. And then, yes, of course, The Conjuring. Uh, that's interesting, though. But um, the last thing I want to ask you about your Insidious experience was, Please. was, was the audience... Uh, big was it sold out? What, what was no, what no. we dealing with? We we saw it Thursday night, and you know that's when it technically came out Thursday, and I feel like it was maybe half full. I will okay. say, I will say, I have become so disappointed in audiences at the theater now. Oh, yeah. You've got people on their phones, and people don't know how to act in the movie yeah. theaters anymore. It's like you're not on your couch at home. Why did you come here? They're they're bringing their little kids. They're they're talking on their phone. It's it's absurd. It's not helping yeah. the the movie I theaters. Oh, the whole industry. I mean, what what can you do about that though? I mean, that's one of those Nothing. things. Bring ushers we back into the movie theater, or hopes that Google or Apple gives us those contact lenses <laughs> where all that can happen without people being disturbed by it. You know? Yeah. Uh, I get it. I get it. Um. But if I may, let me uh, bust into please talk do to me. I'm very excited. Um, as it is about to come out, so this is like our our first pseudo exclusive. It's it's got a couple reviews up there, but I don't know. I've had a kind of fun. We're ahead of the game. Usually, we're talking about old 1980s <laughs> or <laughs> here we are. It's been a while since we've done the 80s, but yeah, that's right. true. That's I hear true. you. 
yes. So first of all, let me say it's definitely worth seeing in the theater. This is a two four, so uh, the production value is is out of this world. Um, interestingly, okay, this is an Australian horror film. And Love that. As is, I'm sure you could guess what I'm alluding to. One of the best Australian horror films, maybe even horror films of all time, that's come out in the last five or six, seven years, maybe within the last decade. Um, can, I, can you guess what I'm thinking? You're, of? you're about to say Babadook. The Babadook. <laughs> Babadook, Babadook. Yes, and interestingly, the the so you got brothers who are the directors, and one of them co-wrote it. Um, these brothers worked on Babadook. One was wow. uh, part of the camera and electrical uh, crew, and the other one is just called additional crew. But I find that very interesting because I saw a lot of Babadook in it. And in a good way, um, because it's it's truly its own story. Hey, but hey. I will say the mood, the atmospherics are are very similar to what goes goes down in Babadook, and and I really appreciated that. In terms of the story, that I would say perhaps it's more of like a hereditary, um, and and in structure, which I'll get into in a little bit, and just like it has has a grit but, to it. I'm not sure if you ever seen the Australian drama um, Animal Kingdom. Oh yeah, this, yep. yes. Who, who's that amazing guy from Bloodline in it? That's where I first saw him. He he just he's now in Secret Invasion on Disney. Anyway, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. Yes. There's something about uh, uh, the Australian <laughs> vibe, the cinematic vibe that is just so unique to me, <laughs> and the way that it then when it applies to horror, what? there's something about just the isolationness the feel of like. Oh, it's kind of like a huge island, you know what I mean? They do feel like disconnected. Yeah, sure. Um, and I feel like <laughs> Australian horror filmmakers know how to tap into <laughs> just geographically what what that probably does to their psyche, and, and I see that a little bit in here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're I, I'm, only things I'm, I'm not going to spoil any major uh, plot points <laughs> or, or character deals, but I, I will touch on stuff that's in the trailer. So I would suggest if you don't want to, yeah. if you like to go into the movies with knowing nothing and you haven't even seen the trailer, yeah. come back. But if you've seen the trailer, I think you're going to be fine and I'm not going to be hitting you with anything um, too spoily. Uh, that being said, amazing SFX and specifically the sound. Uh, Mara walked out of there saying, that was one of the best sound designs I've ever heard in a film. Wow. And I can't deny, yeah. uh, it's fact that the sound is almost like sentient in a oh. weird way. There's a really good example. It has one of the best attention getters you could have in a horror film, and it starts really abrupt too. Um, but there's just this moment with the mom at this party, she's cutting up carrots and just the, the sound of those carrots being cup is alluding to something that's about yeah. to happen and it just I don't know it was it was a very um aware sound effects you know I, right. I don't know yeah it's, it's, it was it was a strange takeaway but I think it's 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 very accurate and this is interesting because we talked about the city is not necessarily being elevated horror and I feel like this one sort of is like consciously walking the line um because it could have gone a different direction where it was very overtly elevated, but it doesn't because it stays rooted in more more of the I don't know I don't know how you would say it, but like there's a bit of camp, but it's it's it takes us seriously. It, I don't even yeah. I don't know if that's an accurate way to say, it, but the, it 
it's doing things I haven't seen done before and in a way that like a lot of people might consider elevated or pretentious. I think it's kind of like taking a jab at that, mm -hmm. but at the same time acknowledging that there is deeper stuff happening here. Is it dealing with traumas and stuff in a new way per se? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, I mean, at some point can't you know what i mean there's, right. there's only so many avenues you could take but as noted in in the in the trailer our, our main character here was really fun i hadn't seen this girl before um her name is sophie wilde plays mia and she's dealing with um her mother had died and it's like her remembrance day uh when this chain of events begins but um you have you seen that have you seen the trailer i've seen the trailer yes yes i'm very excited okay. to see this movie so you have a general sense uh, for those of you who haven't, and it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's kind of like almost a monkey's paw-ish yeah, yeah. sort That's of thing <laughs> because you have this amazing-looking uh, like mannequin arm, but it's not a mannequin arm. I don't think this is a spoiler because it's just conjecture in the movie that this is the uh, uh, embalmed or ceramic-up hand of a psychic who can commune mm. with the dead, right? So... I mean, you see this in the trailer as well. Ultimately, this is a tool um, in which when you grab it and say, talk to me and I let you in, you get possessed. Uh, and who you get possessed by is seemingly random. And I'm going to leave it leave it at that. Uh, but this is actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you, just given the, the premise and the plot. And if you had the capacity, because this is something that they start to play with a little bit in it, who would you who would you want? Man, and this is two personal questions. Who would you like to say, I let you in or talk to me? That's mm. that's past. Right, right. I mean, probably my grandfather. You know, you'd probably go with like a, a family member that yeah. I would just be scared if it was any any person that I like loved that has passed, to be like what the fuck are you bring me back here for? <laughs> <laughs> I went yeah. uh, RIP and uh, jerk. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think I don't know. With all our alien talk last year, I'd probably bring back a uh, good old JFK. See, see what really happened. If see? he's about to tell us all about the aliens. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think you could you could take this away as an elevated horror. But I I choose to see it as something that's uh, walking the line and conscious of what it, of what it is. Um. I, I will say I think there is a world to be built here. Maybe not as profoundly as Barbarian, which we talked about last year around right. the same time, right. because that has endless potential. Uh, I'm thinking this one has a lot of potential. I'm just worried, like Insidious, it might become redundant. You know what I mean? It has sure. to really find um, new angles, because this one obviously is dealing with um, trauma. And mm -hmm. whether or not ghosts that pop up are from people's past or not, or if they're feigning to be. Um, but yeah, it definitely opens itself up to a sequel, and I, and I think it's going to do pretty pretty good. I, I have I have faith, because it's a killer It's a killer trailer, man. It yeah. really, really sells it well. Um, the audience, so remember, I mentioned this was a mystery movie, so you didn't even know what you were going to see when you went into this, but it was, it was like, 85% full in there, which now, is shocking. Let me ask you this. Did anybody walk out once they found out it was a horror movie? No. 
That's what I was actually going to say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this was the first movie in a long time. Nobody took a bathroom break because it was so riveting. Like wow. It was so compelling to watch. You normally will see people taking a bathroom break at some point. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just the nature of the, the sort of audience that's willing to take a chance on what they're seeing and they're that invested or I mean because yeah. obviously actually there was a batch of grandmas we saw in there. They didn't they didn't move. <laughs> love it. They I did, love that. What a not. diverse crowd. I love it. It kind of was. Um and, and when speaking to the audience as well, this is the first time in a long time where there are two specific moments I will not give away because they are so impacting where the entire audience gasps. Oh. Gasps. A la the moment in Hereditary that everybody knows. Uh -huh. I don't think there's any, I think that's the last thing that compares gasp-wise, which is, is saying a lot. And as I noted before, I do think structurally this is doing a lot of the same things um, Hereditary does. Yeah. I would argue if we want to look at it at Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, the act two of this movie is by far the best, Dang. which is so weird. Which because is in a lot rare. of movies, you got the attention getter and, and the climactic amazingness. But for yeah. me, that middle zone is really where it's at, sure. um, which I guess was kind of a little disappointing that I didn't enjoy um, the end as much as I wanted to. That being said, in Hereditary, when I first saw it in the theater, yeah. I didn't love the end that much either. I have grown to appreciate it much more on additional viewing. So that's possible what's going to happen here. Um, but specifically like Mara was like, what that was, it was muddled. She felt like at the okay. end, it wasn't the clarity and consistency that you saw prior wasn't as satisfying. That being said, it was, it was good. I, I, I was, I was fine with the end. Um, I guess you could probably see it coming though. Uh, well, but again, because it has such the potential to to build the world, uh, I, I'm curious uh, how they might tackle it uh, down the line. Um, and and as as noted, these characters are really fleshed out. There's there's I don't know. I would say six or seven characters of note, wow, and they're diverse for one. And uh, they they got Miranda Otto in this as the mom, and Love her. she's obviously a, a whore, even herself. <laughs> And does such a great job. I mean, she doesn't kind of a similar experience that this woman has to the uh, the lady or was it Tony Collette in Hereditary? Mm -hmm. She's kind of I mean, but she's the like where Tony Collette is the lead. She is a secondary in this one, <laughs> um, but is dealing with similar things. Okay, and she does it well. But what I find very fascinating Rock. is after just rewatching this trailer um, before the cast here. Uh, the most important character to wh what happens is really not featured at all. Oh. Which I found really fascinating because as like noted, that. the the middle has to do with this this character and their experience with the hand. Um, but yeah, uh, I digress on that, on that point. Um, what else did I want to say about this one? Um I do feel like it's it, the second act is good. It was impossible to maybe live up to what they did because, as noted, I was impacted. Let's put it that way. Right. Maybe not as much as something as uh, uh, "Speak No Evil," where I was left feeling like uh, icky afterwards. <laughs> this was icky. This was more of a like, holy shit, holy shit, sort of like 
uh, that's great. visual and sound effects and yeah. Uh, let me let me think about uh, what else I can say here. Um, <laughs> technically, it was on point, but doesn't necessarily tap into n- new territory, as I've already kind of mentioned. And um, other than kind of the the moochy, I would say at this point, uh, traumatization, <laughs> recovery sort of stuff. I wish there was means of going beyond that in these sort of horrors, but I don't know. I feel like it's, it's the territory that enables the most metaphoric resonance. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, but I, I think that's I think that's all I could say without giving away too much. Great. I, I I I did really, really like it. I mean out of four stars I'd probably give it three to three and a half. Um probably three and a half, honestly, because I think technically like the production value was so amazing and the character developments were so great. Uh you can't, you can't, you can't miss watching this one. And it sounds like it might be one of the more, uh, or one of your favorite films of the year so far. Certainly horror films. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think just based on the visceral nature of my experience at the theater with an audience. Yeah. Uh, it's going to, it's going to stick. It's one of those experiences. You're, well, that's going to stay with me. Those are rare. Like Hereditary, yeah. I remember seeing in the theater, yeah. and that stuck. I can visualize myself in the theater having seen that, and I think this is going to be uh, similar. And, it, you know, it was the Regal Mystery movie, my first mystery movie ever. I don't think I would go to one that wasn't rated R. Yeah. Um, looking yeah. here at the the ones that have were before this one, uh, The Greatest Bear Run Ever, I think I've heard of it, Spirited. That's like a cartoon, right? Uh, missing. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, yeah, I know. Chancy. Missing. What's missing? Missing was, I believe, a Blumhouse movie that came out earlier this year. Uh, um, a young oh. girl's mom goes missing in Mexico. Oh, and... I saw that. I yeah. saw that on one of the streamers. That's actually really good. Yeah, I enjoyed that I movie. That How is that not rated R? I mean, you don't see a lot. You know, it's it's there's not as oh. much like violence in there as you think. It's more about mystery and suspense. Got it. Got it. Champions, haven't heard of that one. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a family comedy, I'd say, with Woody Harrelson. He coaches oh. he coaches a basketball team. Oh, okay. Yeah, not up my alley then. I love Woody Harrelson. Well, it's being of Woody Harrelson and Lynn Shea, those two teamed up for Kingpin back yeah. in the day. It, he has a very memorable moment in the rearview mirror. Sure does. <laughs> that, oh. Sure does. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? Oh, the. Um, Champions is it's it's fun it's funny because he um, they have the best cast of characters the the actors are all uh, have Down syndrome and uh, oh, it's a, it's, well, it's, a it's kind of a classic um, sports movie where you know uh, you lost the job you wanted so now you have to ha- like coach the local team you know yeah Mighty Ducks style <laughs> yeah kind of. Uh, Okay, well, it does seem like there's a spin on it with that angle. Yeah, and I'll admit, I'm, I don't enjoy most sports movies, but Taika Waititi's new soccer film looks pretty funny. So, yeah, and that's one of those ones that's on my radar as well. And apparently, there is a documentary. It's a true story, uh, yeah. and it's supposed to be a really great documentary. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I I'm trying to open my mind to these things. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, after Champions, they they played. 
Paint, which I got to see also at a like a free screening, and I liked it. Owen Wilson as kind of like a Bob Ross. Oh, knockoff. right, right. I I really enjoyed that one. It Didn't was see it, it was a lot more subtle than I thought it was going to be. Um, Mafia Mama, have you heard of this one? Yeah, I believe that's with Tony Collette. Really? Ironically, it seems like it wasn't made for us. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay, that's there. <laughs> How about Sisu? S I S U. It's so much fun. This is what is that? You know all these ones. I haven't heard. Warren of. film. I saw it. It's a blast. This is from the same um, production team that did the John Wick films. This is a World War II film um, that takes place. Oh, gosh, now I'm forgetting if it's in Norway, Denmark. It is this old man who was a soldier. He strikes gold on his land. While he's going to town to try to collect, there's a group of Nazis that show up, and they, um, they're you know they're just tanking their way across Europe, just you know, killing people. Uh, Wait, Nazis were killing people? Turns out. Okay, all right. <laughs> and Sisu is actually a word. You think it's the guy? He is this old man. He's the biggest badass in this movie. It has some of the. Uh, most fun like violence in, in a feature yep. film in a while nice yeah all right i'll put that one on the list yeah and then uh the one prior to talk to me i guess they do it monthly is what i'm, what I'm getting here okay oh uh, was hypnotic what's hypnotic oh that one's actually not coming to mind oh, no okay um, all right no i feel like i heard of it but yeah right I'm not sure. But what I'm saying is, for the most part, these seem like movies worth watching, and these regal mystery movies are, are across the entire country. That sounds um, fun. Everyone sees yeah. the same thing. And for $5, you can't go wrong, especially so, because it's 7 o'clock, so it's like perfect time. Right. But you just got to be willing to go out on Monday. Uh, at it. what point do you know that it's going to be a rated R movie? You knew this ahead of time sure before the purchasing? The first one, they, they kind of told you on the website and on the app. And I got to say, in terms of uh, rewards programs, the, the Regal's pretty decent, especially on the, uh, if you're willing to go to this $5 movie night. Um, of course, cheap ticket. But you also can get a small pop and popcorn for only 7 I mean, in a movie theater, that's, that's like good. $20 each, otherwise. Each. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and you can actually upgrade those, and you still get the same discount. So what? I don't know. I, I try to avoid buying concessions, but <laughs> they made it hard when they made it that cheap. So I yeah. had the proper bucket there and a big old Pepsi Zero, and I was locked in, baby. This was, it was uh, great. Was this Webster Place you went to? I went to the Webster, but they also do it at the the other Regal that's on Western. Yeah, that's, West, that's the one I go stadium. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a little riffraff around that area, kind of like the uh, the the Webster, a little bit better. Um, but now that the Barnes and <laughs> the Barnes and Noble is gone, it's not as much of a draw. But Pequod's Pizza's over there, and we are due for a visit. Yeah, Nora and I go there every Valentine's Day. That's our spot. Oh, really? That's yeah. that's a nice that's a nice yeah. one. Good routine. I dig it. Great pizza. Well. Yes, amazing. Our point is that you should still see as many movies as possible in the theater. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, and any chance you can get to get a discount, do it. Yeah, you that's, know? And that's, that's, that's my philosophy. Words to live by. For sure. Because unless you're dealing with the type of audience you dealt with at Insidious, um, you know what I think had something to do with it is, is you have to be a bit of a cinephile to be willing to go to a mystery movie. And I don't think you're going to be as rude with your phone. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So there, there's something to that. It was kind of like a holy experience in a way um, that we all had faith in the screen gods. And y'all um, had a great time. Sounds like. Yeah. No, it was amazing. It was amazing. So love to hear it. Talk for me. Check out Insidious if you're a Wan fan. Sounds like. And um, yeah. until then, stay alive. Bye.